and welcome back to the podcast. Happy Monday or happy whatever day that you are listening. I'm recording this on a Tuesday, which is honestly pretty early for me. I typically record the podcast actually later on in the week, but we're going to a wedding this weekend and so I'm trying to finish up everything beforehand. So it's been a little bit of a chaotic week so far. It's only Tuesday, but I feel like it's the end of the week because I've just been trying to finish up all my work for the first half of the week instead of stretching it into the whole week. So I've just been quite busy and I feel like Cash, our puppy, is at an age where he is just really getting his little personality and chewing on things and having some potty training accidents and all the above. So it's been a great time around here, which I know I'm saying that sarcastically, but it's actually been a really great time. I'm very content with life right now and I'm so thankful But today's episode is one that I have not talked about in a while. I'm going to be sharing my best money tips in your 20s. So things about investing, retirement, lessons that I've learned, very just like practical and also very detailed. This isn't like a podcast episode that's going to be really general. It actually is very well thought out because I think that money is one of those topics that is either talked about in a really simplified way or in a really complex way. So I wanted to do an episode sharing things that I've learned. I'm 22, so I don't know everything. I'm not a financial advisor or anything. And while I'm going to be talking about investing in retirement, I'm not an expert. So don't take like actual advice from me in this realm. I just get questions about these things. And so I wanted to put together a podcast. I've done a couple of episodes like this before, but these are different things that I've learned that I haven't really talked about or they're going more in depth about things that I have talked about before but not really on the level that I am today. So I'm also going to be sharing a lot of the resources that I've used to learn more about money, books that I've read, articles, conversations that I've had with people, all of the above. So that's going to be what today's episode is about. I'm actually in the thick of tax season and I do my own taxes. This is probably going to be my last year doing my own taxes because While I like it and I feel like I learn a lot, it's very weirdly enjoyable for me. I just have too much going on now, especially with having a puppy and trying to do all my work. I can barely do all my work as is right now. And there are just so many other things I want to be doing as far as social media goes and projects that I want to be working on. I've been trying to do a lot of Instagram reels, which I know sounds kind of like all you're doing is creating reels, but It actually takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of time to create them on there and then I'm also trying to do different videos so that's kind of my focus right now. It's not on the nitty gritty stuff so I think next year I'm probably going to get an accountant to do my taxes because it's a little bit too much now. But with that comes trying to figure out where I'm investing my money and just thinking a lot about the choices that I made in terms of my business and also thinking about my personal choices and just kind of how my investments are performing. Should I switch them around? Should I buy or sell? All those things. And so I felt like this would be a good time to do this episode because it's very much at the forefront of my mind. My life update, I feel like it's pretty simple. I had a pretty rough day yesterday. I had a really weird Monday. Any day where I'm planning out content, so planning a podcast or planning videos, it can either be really inspirational if I already have ideas in my head and I'm just kind of writing them out, but When I actually have to research, that comes with a lot of searching on YouTube and searching on Instagram and seeing what's working. Has anyone done this idea before? And if they have, how can I do it differently? How can I take what they did and maybe put a little spin on it? All those things. But with that comes a lot of comparison and just looking at other people's work. And subconsciously, I always compare myself to other people. And I just got in my head yesterday 
in a really just weird place. Cash was also having a lot of accidents. Puppy training and potty training in an apartment is definitely difficult. We knew it was going to be difficult because we knew we didn't have a house. You can't just let your dog out in the backyard. And so it's very much taking out your dog pretty much every hour, which is a lot. And it's just been a lot. I'm not complaining because I love him, but I think I show a lot of his really good moments on my Instagram and my YouTube channel. So I also just want to give a little reality that he like peed in the house, I think three times yesterday, which is the most he's ever had. He'll go like a couple days without even having an accident and then have one really rough day. So I just felt really bad. I always feel like it's my fault. I get frustrated. And so I just had like a very Monday Monday, but today on Tuesday, I woke up. I had very much a day of getting things done, recording this podcast. I recorded a video and just felt really on top of everything and also just more at peace and at ease. Something that I'm learning along the way is you can't do everything all the time. I had a lot of like messages and things that I felt like I hadn't responded to. And I just put all this guilt and this burden on myself to be everything for everyone all the time. And sometimes you just have to put your energy into the things that you know are going to help others and help you the most. And me trying to spread myself too thin isn't helping anyone. It's not being my best self. I did a whole episode on giving yourself grace and I might go back and listen to that episode because I just didn't like the way I was treating myself yesterday and it was just not my best day. So that was kind of my day yesterday, but today we're feeling good. I'm ready to talk to you guys today about money and just kind of get into the thick of it. But before that, I also, I forgot I wanted to talk about this too. I have been off my phone despite yesterday being on my phone a lot more and searching. And that literally correlated to how bad of a mood I was in. I wanted to say I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts, which is What We Said with JC and Chelsea, a very lighthearted girl talk episode. No, a very lighthearted kind of girly podcast. I love their stuff. It's very just like entertainment, really good vibes if you just need like a distraction. But they were talking in the beginning of one of their episodes about how obsessed we are with our phones. And I know you're listening to this. You're probably tuning me out like, oh my gosh, I know that we're obsessed with our phones. Everyone talks about it all the time and I do too. And then we do nothing about it. But they were talking about how we literally live in a virtual reality. And I think that podcasts are different. I'm mainly talking about scrolling on Instagram, watching YouTube videos, all that stuff, how it's so dependent on how we think we're being perceived and just straight up not living our lives and missing out on things. And Chelsea was talking about how she will literally get annoyed when people like interrupt her phone time. And I seriously did that a couple of days ago and it made me feel so crappy. I was like, why am I getting annoyed that someone's trying to talk to me while I'm on the phone? <laughs> like when I'm just scrolling on my phone, not even in a call or anything. And it just made me think I really want to be better. And I might do a whole episode about some changes I'm going to make to me and my phone. I've been a lot better since getting cash because he's been very hands-on. But even as he gets older and all my time's not there, I do want to have a better relationship with my phone because I've just been obsessing over, it's mainly responding to everyone and feeling like if I miss DMs, I'm an awful person. And sometimes people will ask me for advice and I won't be able to respond. And then they'll say, oh, I guess you don't care. And it makes me feel like I'm such a bad person. But I'm trying to remember that life is more than being on your phone. And obviously having connections with people is so important. It's so nice. I've met so many friends through social media and it's my job. So I'm not going to complain about it. But a lot of times it can just put us in a really negative headspace. And I'm just so tired of feeling so down on myself when 
our lives are to be lived offline. Our lives are to be lived with our family and with our friends and being passionate about something. And it feels so much better just doing that than mindlessly scrolling and posting stories and all that, even though, like I said, it's literally my job. But I've just been trying to kind of think about what I want to be posting online, what I don't want to be posting online and how much I want to be on my phone. I even have like a hour limit on Instagram, which may seem like a lot for most people, but with my job, I do have to be on Instagram. So that kind of lots the time for me just to be working on Instagram and not scrolling. But even with that hour time limit, I still feel like a crappy person when I'm on my phone a lot. So let me know if that's an episode you'll be interested in. And let me know if you know any resources. I feel like there's a book about breaking up with your phone. And I might try to read that and do a whole episode about that if I try to embark on a challenge. Maybe I'll do a video on it, try to inspire some people to get out of our virtual reality and just arguing with people online and literally living a virtual world. Life is to be lived outside of social media. That's kind of the point. Okay, let's go ahead and get right into the money tips. So the first lesson that I have learned is that your path is not the same as someone else's. So we obviously know everyone comes from a different point in life when it comes to money. We come from a different point of view. Some of us are more privileged than other people. And just accepting that and accepting that comparing yourself to other people in terms of how much you have saved at a certain age. And I always hate seeing things like, okay, at this age, you should have X amount of money saved or something because it's just so ridiculous and all of our circumstances are different. All of us prefer to spend our money differently. And so just accepting that is really helpful. And also recognizing that what someone has doesn't necessarily mean they are well off or have more money than you. There are so many people who could be in severe debt or maybe they're not in debt, but they're severely unhappy despite having a lot of stuff or a lot of money. Every time I do these episodes, I just want that to be really clear that money should never be an idol in your life. I did an episode that was more about my relationship with money and that's why I'm not going to touch on that as much and having a healthy relationship with money and not idolizing it. If that's something you're more interested in, you can listen to that episode. But it's just always clear to know that, that when you're focusing so much on money, it doesn't necessarily make you happy. But I will say there is some nuance to that idea that money doesn't equal happiness. I think that's such like a simple way to put it when it's just not true. I was reading this study. It was from Harvard Business Review, but this is what it says on that topic. And they basically said that it's not necessarily your income that matters, but the amount that you have saved. So this says, of course, that doesn't mean you should turn down the next raise you're offered. A mountain of evidence shows that on average, wealthier people are happier, but making lots of money will not inevitably boost your happiness. How you spend, save, and think about money shapes how much joy you get from it. To the point, another recent study that surveyed more than 500 people in the UK shows that the amount of money we see in our checking and savings account impacts our happiness more than our income. Those of us who see a depressingly low number every time we go to the bank tend to feel worse than those who don't, income aside. Which I just thought was interesting because I get really tired of hearing that message because there are obviously people who are working so hard because they are living paycheck to paycheck and life is just hard and Honestly, having more money 
would make their lives easier and would allow them to spend more time on what makes them happier if they did have more money. So I just wanted to put that out there. I think that's good to know. Another thing I wanted to say, this is from The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. I'm currently reading this book. It's by John Mark Comer. I just finished his Garden City book a little bit ago, so I'm reading this one right now. But this kind of summarizes in like a very grand view of everything, my thoughts on money and idolizing it, but it says, humanistic propaganda screams at us everywhere we go. You deserve better. There's no one like you. Stand up for yourself. And after a while, we start believing the mantra. The most influential culture-shaping document in American history is the Declaration of Independence. And built into the ethos of American society are three inalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I think the wording is ironic. The pursuit of happiness. It's almost like the architects of modern democracy said, we guarantee you life and we promise you liberty, but happiness? Good luck. America is a social experiment founded on the pursuit of happiness. Hundreds of millions of Americans are chasing down happiness. Money, materialism, sex, romance, religion, family, and fame are all pursuits of the same human craving, joy. But apart from Jesus, we never get there. People spend decades searching high and low for happiness and never land at joy. In an odd twist of fate, America, for all her life and liberty, is one of the most depressed nations in the world. And many of us are mad at God. Somehow we think God owes us. We deserve happiness. We deserve a good, comfortable life, free from pain and suffering. The scriptures present a totally different worldview that stands against the humanism of Western Europe. The word grace is charis in Greek which can be translated as gift. All of life is grace. All of life is a gift. Everything is a gift. Food, shelter, the clothes on our backs, the oxygen in our lungs, it's all grace. The entire planet, the sky above us, and the ground beneath our feet is all on loan from the creator God. We live under his roof. We eat his food and drink his water. We are guests and we are blessed. A reporter once asked Bob Dylan if he was happy. Dylan's response was, these are yuppie words, happiness and unhappiness. It's not happiness or unhappiness. It's either blessed or unblessed. I like that. We are blessed. When you reorient yourself to a biblical worldview, the only posture left to take is gratitude. If all of life is a gift, how can we help but thank God? Which I know that was a lot, and you might be like, what in the world does it have to do with money? But I like how he frames what happiness is and the aspect of being blessed and I think when it comes to money, something I've always tried to realize is that it is literally a gift from God and there is so much importance to how we use our money and how we save it and how we spend it and how we give back to others especially. I grew up in a family that constantly told me the importance of giving in terms of tithing 10% of your income and giving it to those who need it because ultimately it's God's money and though we like to feel like we have control over it he ultimately has a control of it and I'll talk about this further in a different point but I just wanted to put that out there and kind of say that in the beginning because I think it's also important. Lastly on this point I know this is like my longest one but I did an episode with Rachel Cruz and I really liked this episode because she talks more about how we view money and how that comes from how we were raised but in her book she has this quote it's called know yourself know your money but it says in the same way that you can't expect to get a pass on the hard work you also can't expect your standard of living to automatically be the same as your parents radio personality larry burkett used to say that couples spend the first five to seven years of their marriage trying to attain the same standard of living as their parents not realizing that it took their parents 35 years to get there So I think that just goes back to the whole comparison thing. I've noticed when we got married, you really do look at how your parents live their life and compare yourself to the stage that they're in when in reality, my parents were living such a different way than I am when they were 22 when they first got married. And so you can't compare yourself to other people and your journey is definitely your own. 
Number two is just to pay yourself first. You may have heard about this, but it's essentially when you get your paycheck, you have a set amount that goes into savings. This is so important because you will always think that, okay, I'm just going to save whatever is left when I'm done paying for my expenses and done paying with all these things. And this even includes like paying off debt or I think paying your expenses and paying your taxes, those things, the essential things paying yourself first and also setting aside that savings amount because that is ultimately how you're going to develop better money skills. I can just say when I used to say, oh, I'm going to, you know, put this money into savings when I paid all these things and I've done all my expenses, even if that includes stupid coffee purchases or buying stupid things for the apartment, I never actually save the amount of money that I want to and there's probably not going to be as much left by the end of that time if there's any money left and so I'd highly recommend paying yourself first. This is one that was so hard for me to learn. Number three is that saving money is more than just saving cash. I have always viewed money like, okay, I need to have X amount of money in my checkings account in cash and I thought that was the best way to save. I'm a very kind of I have a very conservative approach to finances and that means that I just like cash. I like having money there, but the reality is there are so many better ways to actually store your money to be worth the most amount that it can be worth and just to pay off in the long term of life. And it's something that I learned, especially when I started dating Aiden, because he always had a decent amount of his money in stocks. And I just always view that as risky, like, oh, that's not real money if it's invested which is just not a good perspective. Obviously, you should be having an investment strategy and not just throwing money around. That's another thing I'll talk about when it comes to like Robinhood and these apps that really try to democratize investing but can really be harmful. Your money will be worth more. So especially when it comes to retirement, if you are working a job and you have the option to have your retirement contributions matched by your company, or for me, I'm self-employed, so I have an IRA And I have always contributed the most that I can. And I will say it depends on the kind of IRA. There's one that's like $50,000. I don't contribute that much to my IRA by any means. But um, so it depends on the kind that you have. But contributing that max amount, it used to be something where I was like, why would I want to put, let's say, $1,000 into retirement when I could have $1,000 in cash just ready to use if I ever need it? But that money is likely going to be worth less if it's just sitting in your bank account. You guys probably know this, the power of compound interest. This is from WingateWealth.com. If you guys don't know about compound interest, I'm sure you do. But basically, it shows how much your money will be worth if you invest it now versus later on. I know not everyone has the ability to invest right now in their early 20s, late 20s, whatever it may be. But the thing is, it's not something that needs to be super complicated and it doesn't have to be that much money. So I want to read this because this kind of summarizes that. There's more importance on when you save versus how much you save. So this says, an investment left untouched for a period of decades can add up to a large sum even if you never invest another dime. So this says, let's see how compound interest works with an example. Alice, Barney, and Christopher experienced the exact same 7% annual investment return on their retirement funds. The only difference is when and how often they save. Alice invests $5,000 per year beginning at age 18. At age 28, she stops. She has invested for 10 years and $50,000 total. Barney invests the same $5,000 but begins where Alice left off. He begins investing at age 28 and continues the annual $5,000 investment until he retires at age 58. 
Barney has invested for 30 years in $150,000 total. Christopher is our most diligent saver. He invests $5,000 per year beginning at age 18 and continues investing until retirement at age 58. He has invested for 40 years in a total of $200,000. This then summarizes when they go to take out their funds in their retirement, how much they each have saved. So Christopher has $1.1 million, Alice has $600,000, and Barney has $540,000. And so Barney technically invested way more money than Alice, but Alice even has more than him. But then Christopher has the most because he started young and he invested the most amount of money. And so that just goes to show that it's really important when you start, especially when you're in your first job. I feel like when money's really tight and you're paying for rent, you're paying for all your expenses, it can seem really unimportant to not actually do that retirement contribution, but it is actually really important and can really pay off if you want to retire at the age that you want to later on and just have the amount of money that you need. So when we got married, I really started to shift the way that I viewed savings and kind of took this lump sum that I had in my savings and tried to start divvying it up of, okay, let's try to invest a little bit here. Let's do some more in retirement here. And just seeing kind of our like net worth, if you will, as more than just what was in my savings account. Because I used to never consider what was in like my fidelity, which is what I use to invest as money that I had saved, but it is. And it's technically working a lot harder than you. And it's just crazy. I started when I think I was 19. And to see how much it has already grown when I'm 22, it's only three years. And I literally didn't do anything. And it's just really crazy how I used to view investing as something that only really like smart people did, or it was kind of for wealthier people. And it really is not. And it's the way that people actually build wealth is starting it out. Number four is that emergencies happen. And it's it's really important to be prepared for them and it saves you from anxiety. So there have been times in my life where I had to pay a lot of money and if I didn't have that money saved, I would probably be screwed. For example, my first year I paid taxes in New York City. I was so dumb and this is when like I should have had an accountant. I just wasn't thinking. It was my first year actually paying state and local taxes because here in Texas you don't have state income taxes so you just pay all your money to like the federal government or whatever. I would pay these quarterly tax payments and I was technically paying what I should have been or actually I was paying a little less because I didn't forecast my income right and when you're self-employed you kind of have to estimate what your income is going to be to determine what your tax percentage should be and I was also low on that because I had made more than I expected and I remember I paid those state and local taxes accidentally to the federal level. So I just did my whole tax payment to the federal level, but I thought that I was paying like the state and the local taxes, which is so dumb. But when I went to do my taxes, I owed $7,000 in those state and local taxes because those hadn't been accounted for. And I had to pay them to like the local New York City government or whatever. And Technically, after my tax return, it ended up being a lot less than that, but still that was upfront money that I had to have to pay that in April. And it just goes to show, I'm saying that because I make mistakes, but that's a lot of money to have to pay and you never know when a car is going to break down or your house will flood or you have a really high hospital bill, like those things come up and they're actually really frequent. I know Dave Ramsey says to have like a thousand dollar emergency fund, but I think that starting out, it's worth it to save more than that because things are really expensive and they just come up. And that's something that I had to learn kind of the hard way. Number five is that you do have to spend money to make money. So this depends on your job. I don't think this is for everyone, but I think for me, when you hurt 
when you hit a certain threshold, it does help to actually spend money. So my example for this, I got a manager in March and I used to be so opposed to getting a manager because I said they take 20%, at least for me, some take 25%, some take 15%. They negotiate all your brand deals and they do all the behind the scenes work, but they take 20% out of whatever brand partnerships that you're doing. Then you have to think that you're also paying taxes. So it ends up being like whatever percent less than what the brand tells you. And I used to think this is so stupid. I can do this on my own, but I have so much more time now to make more content, to work on the podcast, and just to make money in other ways that it's worth it to pay that 20% to someone. And that's something that I never used to visualize and see. Another thing is just buying better equipment. I find that whenever I have better equipment, I'm more motivated to film better videos. It's better for my audience because they're getting the best quality. And I found when I upgraded my camera in January... I just felt like this new spurt of energy and my channel did a little bit better. I was putting out new videos and while that was what, $1,000 to buy that camera equipment, it actually probably boosted my content and made up for itself and it was also a write-off that I could write off against my taxes. So I would highly recommend seeing if there are ways you can spend money to make money, not in an irresponsible way. Like don't say for me, I could say, oh, I make haul videos on my YouTube channel, so I'm just going to go buy a bunch of clothes and show them in a video. I don't think that's smart. That's probably not helping me unless you make crazy commission off clothes. But even then, I don't really think it's that beneficial, so that's not something I'd recommend. But just kind of seeing on your circumstances what this could fit for. Number six is that loosening your control over your money actually improves your relationship with money, which I think is so countercultural and... I found that when I got married to Aiden and we merged finances, I felt like I was losing control of my money to a certain extent. And there's a lot of fear around that, like, oh, this person's going to spend all of our money. They're going to have different money habits. And we obviously did premarital counseling where we kind of talked through how we wanted to spend our money and we talk about this stuff. So that was just an irrational thing and not really a fear that I honestly had. I feel so much more happy with my relationship with money when I have someone else there and it's not just me looking over something and like and just being crazy about it. This is another thing that seems counterintuitive but the principle of tithing when you get your income wherever your paycheck comes from taking that first 10% and giving it to a church or giving it to an organization if you actually don't go to church and maybe you don't have a church that you're attending but taking that money and giving it away It makes you recognize that, okay, this isn't my money. Like, this is God's money, ultimately. And there's a verse, Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. And I really do think God blesses you and gives back to you when you are first recognizing that your money that you make is ultimately his and it has helped me not idolize my money because I recognize that I'm able to make money and live the way that I do because of God and at any second God can take it away but it helps me be more of a cheerful giver and just kind of loosen that control when sometimes I would like to have that 10%. Sometimes things are tighter than other times. Sometimes things come up or maybe I just want something. But giving that 10%, it just always reminds me that, hey, this is God's and it's a physical act that actually has a deeper meaning. Number seven is spending on experiences versus things is so worth it. Ever since getting married, I've talked about this, but we've been doing kind of like these little weekend trips or we drove to Austin and did like a little treehouse stay. We visited our friends in Austin. 
I've just found that when I buy things, I'm happy for probably an hour and then I just sit with myself (laughs) versus I love looking back and just having all these memories when we actually go places and experience things. And so I would highly recommend thinking if you could spend your money more on experiences versus things. I've gotten a lot better about not idolizing things and one of my favorite resources is Joshua Fields Milburn. He has a book called Minimalism, The Essential Essays, and he has this quote. It says, happiness, as far as we are concerned, is achieving is achieved through living a meaningful life, a life that is filled with passion and freedom, a life in which we can grow as individuals and contribute to other people in meaningful ways. Growth and contribution, those are the bedrocks of happiness, not stuff. This may not sound sexy or marketable or sellable, but it's the cold truth. Humans are happy if we are growing as individuals and if we are contributing beyond ourselves. Without growth and without a deliberate effort to help others, we are just slaves to cultural expectations, ensnared by the trappings of money and power and status and perceived success. Minimalists don't focus on having less, less, less. Rather, we focus on making room for more, more, more. More time, more passion, more experiences, more growth, more contribution, more contentment, and more freedom. It just so happens that clearing the clutter from one's life path helps us make that room. And I so agree with that. Like I think about the money we're saving right now and what I hope to do with it one day when we're older. My parents just booked a week at like a beach that we're going to drive to for the summer. And I'm so excited just to spend time with my family. And I'm so thankful that my parents, you know, had that money saved to give us that opportunity as a family. And I so want to do that with our family one day and I'm just so thankful that my parents chose to do that instead of you know redoing parts of their house that I know my mom has a lot of things she'd rather redo in the house but doing that trip is just really meaningful for us kids and that's how I want to spend our money and I know it's worth it. Number eight is you can't manage what you can't measure. This is actually a Peter Drucker quote, and he does a lot of like management content. If you guys don't know, I took a class in college that was on the principles of management, and it was like all about his philosophy, which actually I think a lot of people don't like anymore because I think he was a big fan of assembly line thinking and that kind of stuff. So I don't know. Take it with a grain of salt. I am someone who has an avoiding personality, and I kid you not, when I was in college and even high school, I would make my mom or Aiden or my friends check my grades because I was too nervous to check my grades and I would literally wait weeks to check my grades on things. And even with YouTube, this is something I will do sometimes where I just won't want to check my analytics because they just stress me out. It makes me feel bad sometimes. I'll avoid texts when I don't know what to respond and life is just so much harder when you go through life trying to avoid things. And I think this is especially true when it comes to money because guys, I know you know it. And I know we all know it, but you need a budget and you need to track your money. You don't realize how you're spending your money if you don't actually manage it. And I know it's hard when you haven't grown up budgeting. It seems really new, but there are so many free resources out there for actually starting a budget. For one, we actually made a budget template for a video a while ago, and I'll have it in the show notes. It's free. It's on Dropbox. You can just go download it if you need that. Another thing, Dave Ramsey has an every dollar app. I'm not sure if that costs money, but that is for actually tracking your money, tracking how you're spending. And those are just two resources that you can use because I can just tell you, you will save money and be better with your money when you're actually budgeting it and tracking it. So I would highly recommend that. Number nine is don't let other people take advantage of you. 
I specifically had this partnership with a brand forever ago, and it was so many posts. It was Instagram posts, Instagram story, and you had to take them a certain way, and they would never approve of my content if the accessory, I will say, I don't know if I can say the brand, but you might be able to kind of take for this if you've been a follower for a while, but it was so many deliverables. They were so particular about the content, and they were paying me hardly anything, And I look back to that partnership and just recognize how much they kind of scammed me out of what I should have been getting, especially because they were using the content in ads and paid advertisements, which they should have been paying me for. And that is just not fair. You need to negotiate a fair salary if you guys have a kind of quote normal job or you have a salary and negotiate that, negotiate your time off, negotiate your retirement, like all this stuff actually really matters. I have an episode with a professor I had in college. If you guys don't know, I actually did it a year ago, but I love that episode. She talked all about actually negotiating your first salary and being better at it, especially from a woman's perspective, if that's something you're interested in. But don't do free work unless you really want to and unless your heart's in it. Don't feel like you need to give favors, especially if it is your work and you feel bad about it. Another thing I want to say, and I know this is kind of like a hot topic right now because of the whole GameStop thing, but I know Robinhood is an app that a lot of people share if you're trying to get into investing and you are kind of new at it, but I personally don't think that apps like this that are trying to make it like, oh, it's easy to invest. You can just invest a couple of dollars. And I don't even mean this from a perspective of like, oh, people who have less money shouldn't be investing. That's not it. I actually think these companies really can take advantage of people. And I'll have an article linked in the show notes if you want to read more about this, but I wouldn't recommend doing this. But sometimes I just think these apps take advantage of people, and so I wouldn't really recommend it. I guess I'll give you guys the points from this article, but the first thing is that it gives users access it gives users access to really risky investment options. It also incentivizes day trading, which I'm not someone who day trades and I know everyone has different opinions on it, but I am very much someone who just holds investments for the most parts and plays kind of like the long-term game. So I would be kind of weary to try these apps. I know that these topics sometimes get people really heated, but I just don't really recommend it. So you can read that article, but decide for yourself. That's just my opinion. I don't like when things try to take advantage of people. Number 10 is don't just do what you're supposed to do. So I took a traditional job after college and I've talked about this a lot. So I'm gonna keep this one short, but I was so scared of doing my own business full time and running my YouTube, running my Instagram because I just thought I needed to do what I was supposed to do, but don't settle. I totally could have done this full time right after college and probably made more money. I was making more doing this than my salary at that job. And so I would just recommend obviously do the safer option if that's what you wish. But if you have like a chance to kind of run with it and you have some money saved, try to run with it and don't feel like you need to do kind of the same old, same old. Number 11 is to pick the right kinds of debt. I know everyone has different opinions on credit cards and debt, but there are certain instances of life where I was thankful that I paid things off or didn't pay things off. If you're going to school and you know that your job's going to really pay back the debt that you're in from school, it's totally worth it. If you have a credit card and you're getting really awesome points and you're not ruining your credit score because you're paying it off, that's really great. For me, I'm actually so thankful we bought our Jeep in cash. That's actually one of my most proud moments in terms of kind of like my adulthood was buying that car. It's such an accomplishment to see 
a physical, tangible asset and say, like, I paid that off in cash and you just know you own it. So kind of decide for that. I mean, one day we're going to get a house and we'll have a mortgage. So technically that will be debt too. So I just think it depends on you, but pick the debt that you want to have and make sure that you're okay with having that. 13 is that spontaneity is expensive. Try to forecast expenses. I think the times in life when I spend the most money or when I don't foresee something happening, this kind of goes with like the unforeseen expenses, but last minute trips, when I have to cancel an appointment and there's a fee, when I forget to cancel a subscription, when I miss a payment date, when I've been putting off appointments like dental things and you have to pay for a lot of expensive treatments because your teeth are rotting, which is what I'm scared about because I haven't gone to the dentist in a long time. So I'm talking to myself right here, but it's okay to make mistakes, but try to make sure that you're forecasting these things and not living a life where everything is so last minute because oftentimes last minute things are really expensive. And I'm talking to myself here because this is something I have been trying to be better at because it is really expensive when you don't forecast things and they add up. Number 14 is kind of what I said before, but having a buy and hold investment strategy. Like I said, I have a very conservative approach to finances. And so this is actually from an article, but it says essentially buy and hold means purchasing funds and holding onto them for a long period of time, anywhere between 15 and 30 years. Lowry explains that the buy and hold strategy can greatly impact your financial growth and wealth by allowing time to stabilize your average earn rate. Contrary to what it sounds like, this is not a set it and forget it strategy. You shouldn't invest your money and then never look at it again until you're about to retire. You'll need to regularly monitor and rebalance your portfolio at least once per year, as she suggests. However, investing with the buy and hold method allows time to do most of the work for you. That's the strategy that I have. Like I said, I'm not day trading over here. And if that's your thing, go for it. But I kind of see it as gambling. So I would just watch out for that. But I think having this strategy has really benefited me so far and can also benefit anyone who's wanting to get into investing. Number 15 is to don't get complacent. So I think it's really important to have new money goals. And when you hit those goals, try to have new ones and not in a way where you're trying to always make more money and have more, like I said, at the start of this. Money is never going to bring you the utmost level of happiness. I do think it's nice having tangible things to work towards. And a lot of times when I have tangible goals that I have in my mind, it makes living out the daily mundane tasks of actually saving money worth it. So for now, we're trying to save up for a house. I've talked about this. That's kind of our next money move. I feel like owning real estate is the next thing in my life that will be a kind of check off in terms of money and my goals that I have for myself. So even if you are the same age as me, but you want to have a certain amount of money saved or you want to buy your car in cash or if you want to pay off all your loans, like whatever it may be, just having those things at the forefront of your mind can be really helpful when you're trying to actually pay them off. Number 16, and this is more specifically for me as someone who is a freelancer, is just to have multiple streams of income. When your income fluctuates, it is never good to have all of your eggs in one basket. And so for me, my streams, or I would say like our streams of income, because now I feel like very much it's me and Aiden. One is my brand deals. So YouTube, Instagram, I don't know if you guys noticed, but I've had a couple of ads here lately. So I have some podcast (laughs) income now. Number two is Google AdSense. So all the ads that are on my videos that aren't necessarily from brands paying me that YouTube automatically puts on. Three is affiliate income, which is like if I link something, I'll get a small commission Four, if I ever do user-generated content for a brand and they use it in like a paid ad. And number five is Eden's job because Eden has a normal job. So that's our income too. 
But those are my streams of income. And it's really helpful when I have one stream that's going down a little bit. So say in January, I tend to make less on AdSense and less on brand deals because you're coming out of the holiday season when they've kind of exhausted their budgets. Those other streams of income, I really try to kind of pump up a little bit because it's nice to offset the other ones. And it's just good to make sure that you are being really smart. And my last lesson is one that's just really simple and it's just a saying, but it's called penny wise, pound foolish. And that is a British saying that means if you do not know how to manage your money when you have none, then there's no way you're going to be able to manage it when you have a lot. I think there's this common assumption that I'll just have more money and eventually I will be smarter with my money. I can say that's so far from the truth, like wholeheartedly honest with you guys. I was so much better with money when I was in college and even high school. I hardly spent money then. I obviously had a lot less expenses, but I saved so much money then, but I also wasn't really buying as much and I was making less then versus now. There's something called lifestyle creep. If you guys don't know what that means, it's gradually increasing your spending as your wage increases which to a certain extent I think is fine, but when you get caught up in it and you're just not saving as much, that can be really hard. So more money doesn't necessarily mean that you have better money skills. I also think it's interesting. I found this study from PR Newswire and it says that Americans have increased impulse spending by 18% during COVID-19. Maybe you're just bored, so you're spending more money or maybe you actually have more expenses, but this literally says impulse spending. So I think this is just like discretionary income that you're spending, but don't fall into that temptation and try to avoid that. If this is a topic that you guys really liked, again, I have that Rachel Cruz podcast. And I think it's helpful to kind of assess why you're spending money the way you're spending it in your habits. I'm not perfect with money. I just kind of want to close out and say that, that these are things that I've learned, but I'm still learning and I'm sure my opinions on some of these things will change. But since I was 18 and really kind of on my own thinking about money, these are things that I've learned and that have really helped me. And so I hope it helped you guys. If you enjoyed, let me know. I know that these podcasts tend to be my last one I did on money is one of my most listened to episodes so I'm assuming you guys enjoy these and I hope you guys got some knowledge from it I'll have those resources I shared linked in my show notes if you guys are interested but thank you guys so much for listening feel free to share on your Instagram if you did I always respond to people who actually tag me especially if it's like a Monday morning or Monday afternoon when you're listening to this when it first comes out I love hearing that you're listening. It makes my day. So feel free to tag me. That's the best way for me to see it too. Feel free to leave a review. If you're on Apple Podcasts, that also helps the podcast if you feel so inclined to give me a rating on there. And yeah, I just hope you guys have a great rest of the day. I hope this gave you a different perspective on money or reinforced your own. If you have, you know, similar thoughts as me, I think it's okay if we have different thoughts. That's totally fine. Just as long as we are living our lives and continuing towards our own goals so okay I always struggle to actually end these I feel like I blabber on but I love you guys I'm so thankful for you guys I'll talk to you guys in my next episode bye friends (laughs) 